This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thanks for being here today. I am excited to bring you a conversation with ultra runner Annie Hughes who just placed third at Hard Rock 100. She is an up-and-coming ultra runner, one who has already made her a name for herself in the short time she's been doing it. In 2019, she actually left her college team to pursue ultra running and hasn't looked back. She lives in Leadville, Colorado, where she has actually won the Leadville Trail 100 She became the youngest female to ever win that race. She has won multiple 200-mile races and won the Moab 240. Just last year, Annie placed first female, third overall, and broke the course record by 14 hours at the Cocodona 250. She then went on to place first female, second overall, setting a new course record, becoming the first woman to finish the High Lonesome 100 in under 24 hours. This is extreme ultra running. And if you aren't already following Annie's career, I'm super excited to introduce you to her story today. She is sponsored by Hoka and has a pure passion for running that I hope will inspire us all to run for the pure joy of what it brings us new sponsor here that I am really excited about a product that I have been using a few times a week when I need a little extra kick it is life stacks life stacks MCT is the most nourishing thing to add to your coffee it's a delicious MCT creamer packed with functional science-backed adaptogens that deliver smooth long-lasting energy it cuts through fatigue and boosts mood and vitality especially when training hard or when you wanna focus really hard on an interview. I actually took it before my interview this morning with Grace Norman. I had a cup of coffee with LifeStacks MCT in my coffee and it made me feel sharp and focused. Now, this can help you with your performance with running. It can be a tool for your endurance work like speed workout, tempo runs, and thanks to the powerful blend of functional ingredients, LifeStacks MCT puts you in the zone in a way that's helpful, but not overwhelming. It boosts your willpower so that you can keep strong for a long time. This isn't a pre-workout. It's a whole system upgrade to your health and performance. It will raise your performance baseline over time rather than just jolt and crash your system. It's vegan, keto, and uses very clean ingredients. They set out to make a delicious coffee creamer that's supportive of a healthy, high-performing lifestyle. Now, they know that it is extremely important what athletes put into their bodies, so they formulated this to the highest quality standards. LifeStacks MCT is manufactured in the United States in a GMP NSF certified facility to ensure purity, potency, and safety. They have chocolate, vanilla, hazelnut. My favorite is the chocolate. And it dissolves best in your coffee when you use a handheld frother. Who doesn't like their coffee froth? That is the best way to have coffee. I'm serious when I notice the zing and the extra focus when I use this. I guarantee you're going to like it. So they suggest going to Amazon 
to make your purchase. I have the link, my special link for this in the show notes at sandyboyproductions.com. I will also put it in my Instagram, in the stories at lindsayhine626. It's Lifestacks Chocolate MCT. If you put that into Amazon, you can find it or find the link in my Instagram, lindsayhine626, or in the show notes of this episode at sandyboyproductions.com. All right, friends, enjoy my conversation with Annie Hughes. All right. Today on the podcast, we have Annie Hughes on the show. Welcome to the show, Annie. Well, thank you so much, Lindsay. I am so excited to have you on. I have to tell you, every time I have like super intense ultra runners, I get a little bit of imposter syndrome because I'm not crazy well-versed in the ultra scene, but I love talking to you people. Oh, thank you so much. I am just so honored to be here because your podcast has obviously been one of my favorites for a really long time. So um, I never thought I would ever get a chance to actually be on it. So when I got the email, I was like, oh my gosh, it's my favorite podcast. <laughs> well, that's really surprising to me. I'm always like, oh, ultra runners listen. That's I, Because sometimes I just picture you all out in the woods and the mountains, never listening to anything and just like being one with nature. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love podcasts like when I'm cooking or anything uh-huh. like that. Um, and I love the variety of different runners you have because mm, I like yeah. learning about track runners and Roadrunners too. So it's just a good, well-rounded podcast, I feel like. Oh, thank you. I'm expanding <laughs> yeah. like the this week alone, like I'm having a super intense ultra runner, you. And then I also had a javelin thrower on this week. So I'm like oh my gosh. really out of my comfort zone of like, you know, marathon is my zone. And so it's been really fun to kind of prep and learn a little bit more about the different like race styles and also then obviously the field events of, of track and field I'm, I don't know much about. Yeah, for sure. Oh, that's so interesting. I'll have to listen to that one. Yeah, she was awesome. Kara Winger, she, um, she's a four-time Olympian, and she just has a really cool story. I don't know if you uh, followed the World Championships last year, but she medaled in the World Championships, her first World Championship medal right before she retired, and it was just like oh my such a cool story. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. So, okay, let's talk about your story. Um, first, I want to hear, like, how'd you land in Leadville, Colorado? Um, well, I, so I grew up in Wisconsin and my parents really wanted to retire in Buena Vista, Colorado, which is just 30 minutes down the road from Leadville. Um, and we come out to Buena Vista, they call it BV, um, on family vacations in the summers. And I just fell in love with this whole area. And like, we come up to Leadville too. And, um, yeah, I was just fascinated by the mountains and, um, yeah, when my parents decided to retire, um, they were going to wait until I graduated high school to move out to Colorado, and I knew I wanted to go to college out here and live here eventually, so I asked them, I was like, can we move a year early so that I could establish residency and earn in-state tuition? Um, and it worked out really well because they built their house, and so, um, yeah, if we had waited another year, it's crazy just how many people are so starting. Long. Yeah, exactly. Um so, yeah, it just kind of all fell into place. And, I um, yeah, I graduated high school from Buena Vista and started to hear about trail running and, like, the level 100. But um, I just didn't really realize at the time that that's something I'd be interested in. I was just really focused on – I ran cross-country and track my whole life and really wanted to run in college. So I was just kind of hyper-focused on that and didn't really figure out that, you know, what I was interested in um, was – 
like the mountains and trail running until my uh, sophomore year of college. And um, I went to Adams State University in Alamosa, Colorado. And um, after I quit the team to pursue ultra and trail running, I was like, well, I don't have to stay here. I could, you know, go somewhere else. And um, yeah, I just, there's a little community college in Leadville, Colorado Mountain College, and they have a guiding program there. And I was thinking about being a mountain guide or um, something in the outdoor industry. And so I thought, you know, I could move up to Leadville. It'd be a great place to get into trail running since the Leadville 100 is there. I figured there'd be a good community of runners and um, yeah, finished my degree. So that's kind of what brought me out here. And um, yeah, I hope I never have to leave. I just love it so much. I love it so much. <laughs> yeah. Um, a really wise thing you did in college, like when you realized I don't really love this like I thought I would and started pursuing the trails. I, I feel like oftentimes we get into things and we think, well, I started this, so I have to keep going. And for you to have had that intuition at such a young age is is really cool. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's funny because I feel like I do have that kind of mindset, you know, like I have to finish what I started Yeah, um, with ultras, but I don't know. I just knew it, it was the right idea for me and it was just so crystal clear. Um, and yeah, I just, it was kind of a mix of like being burned out on the whole cross country and track scene mm. and being really excited about this new thing. So yeah, I'm, it was the best decision I've ever made, I think. <laughs> I read somewhere that you said you always felt like you could run forever. And you're someone who really started running forever at a very young age. I'm curious um, what your like childhood was like. Like what are your parents runners? Like how did you start? Like how did this become a thing at such a young, young age? Yeah. Um, so I considered myself really unathletic growing up. Um, I was just always like the worst at any game we play in gym class, like the last <laughs> person picked, like everything. And so I just thought, oh, that's not really my thing, I guess. Um, but my mom was really big on, you know, getting outside every day and just being active. So I always grew up and I'm an only child. So okay. I was really good at like playing by myself and making my own fun and like always loved to be outside. And um, yeah, I would just spend the whole day outside playing around and um, I think that kind of initiated running and just kind of like endurance and being out love for being outside. And then my mom uh, would run this three mile loop just, you know, for exercise um, around the neighborhood. And it was kind of her time to like, um, you know, be alone for a little bit because I was uh -huh. okay at home <laughs> yeah. um, while she went for a three mile run. And I was in second grade, and one day I asked if I could go with her, and she was just kind of like, ugh. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, My like time. Little, yeah. And this little second grader, like, she's not going to keep up. Like, um, But she said yes, and so I uh, went with her, and um, I kept up the whole way, and she was just really surprised by that. Wow. Um, and I just really liked running after that. And um, I also noticed uh, in gym class, like, we play capture the flag, and I was really good at that game. That's like the one game I was good at. And then um, one day we had to uh, run the mile fitness test in gym class. And uh, I ended up beating everyone, including the eighth grade boys. <laughs> um, and I was a total girly girl, like loved to wear dresses and stuff too. So um, 
yeah, I won the the mile fitness test with the dress on and a bow in my hair. Everyone was just shocked. <laughs> like Annie, <laughs> do you remember what um, time you ran? No, I don't. Um, yeah, I wish I did. Uh, I don't think I was as focused on that as I was. Like, oh my gosh, I, I won. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I didn't really know like what a good time was. So, um, yeah, that happened in fifth grade, and then my dad really wanted to sign me up for track and. Um, he's a really great endurance athlete. Um, he was a cyclist for many years and pretty competitive on the road. Uh, but he was never a runner, um, but still did that endurance sport. Um, so I think, yeah, I probably got <laughs> most of my endurance genes from him because, um, yeah, he was really into that. But my mom is really active too. She just doesn't compete or anything. She's yeah. Not really what do What do they make of this though? I mean, because I think that parents, you know, when you see your kid do any any kind of athletic accomplishment, it's exciting. You see your kid run their first marathon, um, but you're you're like doing things that I don't know. As a parent, I might be like, "Hope she's okay out there." You know what I mean? <laughs> like, what does she? Th- what do they think about these massive undertakings that we'll get into in the episode that you that you do? Yeah, I think. They they didn't really understand it at first, um, just especially the longer things. But I think it was really cool. My mom and my stepdad came out to Moab 240. And so they kind of saw how that all uh, rolled out. And then my dad and my stepmom came to Cocodona 250. So both of my parents have gotten to see me go through like a really long multi-day race. And um, yeah, now now they're like super into it and and supportive but I think in the beginning they were just like I just remember I did the silver rush 50 and my mom came to see me finish that and that was my second 50 miler ever Mm. and just I had a really tough time I like didn't know how to fuel very well and so I like bonked really bad and just kind of finished and like hugged my mom and I was like crying and stuff because I was just like so tired yeah (laughs) I was like that was so hard and um then I was like all concerned uh with getting a golden coin into the hundred. And I was like, I just really wanted to get into the hundred. And I wasn't sure if the lady in front of me was in my age group because it's the top two in each age group. And I was third. Uh-huh. Um, and I knew the lady who got first was in my age group. So, um, Wow, another but, really young runner. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was 20 to 29. So oh, I think okay. she was like in a little bit 20s. Long, a little bigger of a gap. Yeah, yeah. And I was – 21 at the time I think um but uh yeah I told my mom I was like oh my gosh I got into the hundred because then I found out (laughs) that I did get it and she said her first thought was oh we are not doing this (laughs) because she just saw yeah (laughs) she just saw how hard the 50 was for me and she's like yeah there's just yeah that's a whole nother like she's not gonna really do yeah (laughs) exactly Oh my goodness. Um, okay. So I first heard about Moab from Courtney DeWalter as well, because I remember like way back in the day, someone that knew I had a running podcast sent me her episode she did with Joe Rogan and was like, look what this woman did. Like she won. She was the top, top finisher. I beat all the men. And that was my first peek into these like ultra, ultra distances, like more than a hundred miles. And yeah. so I read that that was when you first heard about it, too, was Courtney's story. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, it was really cool. Like when she did that, I feel like that distance really took off and like 
because it was just such an amazing performance and um yeah what did you think like in 2017 when you read that where did you think I want to do that someday or did you think okay like ultra running sounds cool but that's too far or what was going on in your head oh um I just remember thinking like yeah, I was just blown away. Like, I just didn't even know how that was possible. Uh-huh. Um, so it was just, like, couldn't really wrap my head around it, I guess, and never thought – like, I remember being interested, like, wow, I wonder what it would be like to do that um, or, you know, to, you know, try a distance like that. But um, I never thought that I would be doing it so soon <laughs> after hearing about it because um, I didn't hear about Courtney running um, uh, 240 until I think it was, like – 2019 or okay a couple years after she did it yeah 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 so how many hundreds did you do before you did Moab I did um two hundreds and oh I did I think it was three three hundred mile races and um uh, I did an FKT on the collegiate loop which Courtney she just broke my time by like a day oh (laughs) it was awesome broke it yeah, this past summer or fall, yeah. Um, that was but, like during COVID, right? Oh, it was um, this past summer. And yeah, when I did it, it was – When you did um, it. During COVID, yeah. Okay. Um, but I had done 100-miler before I did this 160-mile FKT that I planned all myself. And looking back, it's just like a miracle that I finished. Like I, I have no idea how I finished that. Like <laughs> I had no business doing <laughs> something like that. But um, – pulled it off and after that it took me 61 hours so I was like I know I can be on my feet doing this one thing mm. for 61 hours and I bet it would go a little bit smoother if it was like an organized race so mm-hmm. uh yeah just logistically and everything so um I was like I think I'm gonna go for it this year and I was signed up for a level 100 as well so um yeah 2021 was just a huge year for me like I signed with Hoka and then right after that won Leadville 100, which was kind of my first big 100-miler. And then right after that, I did Moab 240. And, um, yeah, so that was just kind of where my career took off, I feel like. Yeah, so fresh still. I mean, really, truly. It's only 2023, like so fresh still. Mm -hmm. Um, Talk to us about when the Hoka sponsorship happened and what that looked like as far as like gaining sponsorship as an ultra ultra I mean is that what you categorize yourself as ultra ultra runner yeah yeah I would say so yeah sure I feel like that's kind of my niche yeah but yeah it was totally like unexpected um to sign with Hoka like I um Brian Metzler he writes for a trail runner magazine and he has a house up here in Leadville and uh, in the beginning, I was just doing a lot of my own ultra challenges. So I don't know. I did all these like <laughs> funny things like um, running from Leadville to Buena Vista. And it was um, I did like my own 50 miler. And uh, then I um, ran from Alamosa to the top of Blanca Peak and back, um, which is kind of cool because Alamosa is pretty far out from the mountains. So it was exactly 30 miles from uh, the city of Alamosa to the top of the mountain and it's crazy because it's just a straight flat road going right to the base of the mountain and then it's like this 7,000 foot um, climb oh up gosh. to the top and yeah back so it was exactly um, like 100k 
So I did that, and then I ran um, from my house in Leadville to the top of Massive and Albert and back, and that was also exactly 50 miles, which was cool to do, like, the tallest, two tallest peaks in Colorado right from my doorstep. Wow. Um, so I was just doing, you know, things like that, and I did the collegiate loop. So just and like, like a were lot you of- just, like, organically sharing this on social media, just, like, to share it, or, like, did you have hopes for sponsorship? What was going through your mind? Oh, I was just sharing it to share. I never thought that I would be, like, good or sponsored or anything. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Um, And especially since it was, like, my own challenges, I didn't think that, you know, I thought to be sponsored, you need to, like, win races. and. So question um, with that, what was your internal motivation there? Like, because, you know, once you're sponsored and, like, this ends up being your job and things like that, there's, like, I'm working now too, right? But, like, what was your internal motivation before all that? I was just having a lot of fun exploring the different distances and like I just I love kind of coming up with challenges for myself so um yeah it was just it was new to me and I was just like having a lot of fun with it and um I think it was good for me in the beginning just to go from Mm -hmm. you know having a little break with competition because I was kind of burned out and competing after um you know quitting the cross-country and track team And I remember thinking when I quit the team, I was like, I'm so excited. I'm never going to run a race again. Mm. Like, I'm just going to run in the mountains for fun. And (laughs) yeah, um, yeah. so it was just a really fun time for me. And I think that was like a great introduction to the sport. Um, And yeah, the sponsorship just kind of happened naturally. And now I feel like I'm in a good place to kind of focus more on competition and races. Um, But I think I needed those few years to just kind of have fun and do different fun challenges. (laughs) What does the expectation feel like or like the pressure feel like going into these races? I mean, compared to, you know, you said, oh, I was so glad I can just run in the mountains and never have to race again. The, The race on such a long distance is just such a different race than like, I don't know, even a marathon, right? So like, what are your feelings going into these really like day long, two day long challenges? Yeah. Um, so I just really enjoyed like when I ran my first ultra, I did a 55K and I just loved the challenge of running further than I ever had before. Mm. And so I signed up for a 50 miler right after that. And then I was doing a hundred and then I did that um, 160 mile FKT. So that was my first multi-day experience and I just remember I think the biggest thing was just the sleep deprivation and trying to get through that first night was really difficult just knowing I had like another night ahead (laughs) um was just really overwhelming to me so yeah I think you know just having finished that just gave me a lot of confidence going into the actual 200 mile races um because I just knew I could be out there for that long so I don't know it's um you know you don't know what's going to happen out there. Like there's no way to predict, you know, when you're going to hit your lows or, you know, um, there's always something that happens that you were completely unprepared for. (laughs) Um, so there's a lot of like troubleshooting. Um, so I don't know, but I feel like I'm kind of the most relaxed going into those races just because you have so much time to correct whatever Mm -hmm. goes wrong and you can really take the time to take care of yourself. I feel like I get more nervous going into like I mean, 100 miles is still really long, but um, (laughs) (laughs) like there's just less room for error. Um, So I feel like I, um, it's just more of an adventure going into the 200s and a little bit more low key 
as opposed to like a big 200 mile race for me. Hey friends. All right. We've got a new sponsor today that I am pumped to tell you about. It is two before two before is a natural sports performance superfood made from New Zealand blackcurrant berries. What do blackcurrant berries do? Well, they contain unique levels of antioxidants called anthocyanins, which have been proven to boost athletic performance by increasing blood flow, making it more efficient for the body to pump oxygenated, nutrient-rich blood to the muscles. It also kickstarts your recovery, helps with muscle soreness, and manages inflammation, and it strengthens your immunity. Immune-boosting antioxidants and natural-occurring vitamin C are in these black currant berries. I gotta tell you, it also tastes refreshing and delicious. So you can drink it daily, 30 to 45 minutes before you work out. You'll feel that effect of it around 60 minutes from taking it. You just mix it up with around four to eight ounces of water or electrolyte drink, whatever you're drinking. I just mix mine with water and there you have it. All right, so I am really excited for you to check it out and excited to hear how it works for you. You can save 30% off 20 packs plus free shipping when you use the code Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y at checkout. Just go to two, the number two, before.com and use the code Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, and that'll get you 30% off 20 packs plus free shipping. All right, friends, back to the show. I feel like I would get really lonely. And I also feel like this is maybe a characteristic of ultra runners. Like you're really comfortable with being alone in your thoughts and navigating things on your own. It's maybe a personality thing. I don't know. Do you ever feel lonely out there? Um, No, not really. I mean, I'm very introverted. And I think, I don't know, maybe some of that comes from like being an only child and just being, I'm really comfortable being by myself. And yeah, it never really bothers me. And like the past few hundred milers I've done without pacers. And I've actually yeah. really enjoyed that a lot more. Like, because I don't know, I feel like I can let my, I don't know, when I'm out there and it gets hard, it's like there's no one to complain to. Like, I have to get myself to the next aid station. Like, there's, you know, um, no one there to be like, oh, I feel so horrible. <laughs> so <laughs> I feel like I let my mentality, my mentality is a little bit stronger when I'm by myself. Mm. Um, I mean, that's interesting to hear because on a very small level, like, if I'm out doing a workout and I do it by myself compared to like doing it with my husband beside me, I'm way more likely to be a baby about the workout if my husband's next to me. Cause I like have someone to complain to or like feel sorry for myself too. So on a very mm -hmm. small level, I understand what you're saying there. Yeah, I can see that for sure. And especially, you know, with a partner, it's like some person you're most comfortable with. You're most comfortable with. with. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd say like having a partner would definitely not be the person you'd Want to pace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so these races that you're saying you didn't have pacers, these 100 milers, were they races where like other people had pacers, but you just chose not to? Yeah. So um, Run Rabbit, it was uh, you weren't allowed to have pacers. Okay. Um, so that was kind of my first experience without one. And I was like, and it went really well. I like, actually really liked it. So um, Havelina, I didn't have a pacer either. And I also just figured, you know, there's I know where I'm going if we do the same 20-mile loop five times. Okay. So um, you there's going to be people out. 
Yeah, yeah. And there's so many people out there. Like, I'm not going to feel like I'm alone. Um, And then canyons. Actually, probably should have had a pacer because <laughs> I had this whole crazy situation This happen. is the most recent <laughs> race you did? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was um, – got to the spot where you could pick up a pacer for the last 30 miles and three miles into that section this was maybe at like 11 o'clock at night and it was um in the 90s for the race and you know I'm coming from Leadville yeah it was it was just crazy I was not expecting it to be that hot like historically it hasn't been that warm so um yeah and I, I hadn't heat trained or anything so I just didn't think it would be that warm so uh yeah I was like well I'm just gonna have to go out there and take care of myself and do my best um and I made it through the day fine like took good care of myself and uh yeah going three miles into that section um I just had this crazy like hyponatremic Mm. thing happen and all of a sudden I got this really intense tingling in my hands and my breathing got really heavy like almost like I was hyperventilating I was like okay I'm just gonna walk for a second like calm down and then I just um, I drank some electrolyte mix because um, I thought I knew there was probably some kind of imbalance going on. And then I got super nauseous and dizzy. So I was like, okay, I'm going to sit down for a second and like try to get my breathing under control. And sat down, threw up, which like never happens. I can never have stomach issues. And um, then all of a sudden my hands seized up and my arms. So I couldn't like move my arms or hands at all. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I was like, what is happening right now? Um, and I thought I was going to have to drop out. I was like, I don't really, I don't think I have a choice here. Like something's seriously wrong. Um, and my brain was kind of fuzzy. So I just didn't really know. Like looking back, I can tell it was like a salt thing. Um, right. And probably a mix of, it's always a mix of things, right? So it was probably um, heat exhaustion from earlier in the day. And yeah, I waited until two runners came by, a runner with with a pacer, and um, the pacer stopped to help me um, call my crew, and Good. I actually didn't have service, so he was able to put my crew's number into his phone and call, but mm-hmm. um, I also, my mouth, all the muscles in my mouth seized up, so I, like, went to ask for help, and I'm like, oh, please, like, oh, I couldn't... <laughs> so it, Yeah, it was, like, so weird, but otherwise I was fine, like, my legs... We're fine. Um, it was just my arms and like my mouth and the breathing and yeah, it was just so strange. So he helped me. I told him where my phone was like mumbling uh, where it was and he got it out and then the face ID like this is when you know you're really messed up because the face ID wouldn't even recognize me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, and like I almost like in my head I was like oh that's hilarious. Like I was <laughs> <laughs> You had a sense la- of humor through this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember like kind of chuckling to myself like inside but <laughs> um <laughs> Then uh, I'm, like, trying to, like, mumble the passcode. And so that kind of gave me comfort. I was like, okay, I'm with it enough. Like, I know the passcode. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, he was going to help me. I had to get um, a mile up, back up the trail to get to, to get where to my your crew. people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so he helped me get up. And um, he was like, do you want to take uh, a salt pill or just something to help get through this mile? Um, and then I was like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um and I told him where the salt pills were in my pack and um it's just these little salt stick uh salt tabs and I took two 
And like within a minute, I started to get feeling in my hands. Really? Yeah. And I started like talking normal again. Wow. And so I was like. So fast. Yeah. It was crazy. Um, But I'm just so grateful he figured out like a solution. He knew. Did he, like, do you think when he stumbled upon you, like he knew what was going on immediately? He said that he thought that. At first, he thought I was having a panic attack because my breathing was like I couldn't get that slow down. And mm-hmm. then um, he kept. They remember they kept asking me, "Did you fall?" Because they thought it like broke my arm or something. Mm-hmm. So it was just like, "What um, it Yeah, yeah. And I was like, "No, <laughs> I don't know what's happening." That's so <laughs> um, scary. Yeah, um, but I was so grateful I had help right away. Like I, I don't really have a conception of like how long I was laying there, but right. I didn't feel that long. Um, and so I turned to him. I was like, would you mind calling my crew again and tell them I'm going to keep going? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Of course. <laughs> but I don't know. I was just like in race mode. And so it didn't like phase me. I don't know. I was just like. Well, and you everything returned back, resumed back to normal. Yeah. So I was like, I guess I'm OK. <laughs> Did you just double down on salt the rest of the time? Yeah. Yeah. And my stomach never kind of never really came back. Like I just mm. couldn't really get um, much down after that. And he ran with me. Um. To the next section or like the next aid station which is maybe four or five miles down the trail uh and it was actually crazy because he was kind of pacing two people like he was going to take that first runner um to this midway aid station that was 15 miles down the trail and then wait there for his other Good friend person. to get there and take him down to the finish and we ended up coming into the aid station right as that runner that he was going to wait for at the 15 mile aid station came in oh nice so it was just worked out so perfectly. Yeah. He was like, are you good now? Like, are you okay if I go with my other friend? I was like, oh, yeah, please. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Um. So, yeah, just so grateful to um, Did you keep in is- touch with him? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we were like, wow, that was just the craziest thing. <laughs> um, and there uh, are three friends from Oregon. Um, and the two that were running the race were trying to qualify for UTMB. And they finished um, eighth and ninth. So, like oh, right nice. next to each other. So it was just really cool. Um, and is it top 10 that gets into UTMB? Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah, so it was awesome. really cool. <laughs> wow. Okay, so then what's the message from what happened to you, like, safety-wise, as far as, like, telling other people to what to look for? Yeah. Um. I mean, now I know, like, once I get that feeling in my hands to, like, take a salt pill right it's away. It's a salt thing, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm lucky that, you know – people came right away like if I had been on training run or something like out in the middle of nowhere it would have been probably really dangerous so yeah 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 um yeah I can't believe you finished the race that's crazy I know (laughs) um yeah I was really grateful to be able to but I finished really depleted and I think that kind of hindered my recovery Mm because recovery from this race has just been really slow so yeah how long ago was that um that was Almost exactly a month ago. Yeah. Okay. Um, because I saw a podcast where like I didn't end up listening to that one when I was like, you know, just like prepping for the show. And I didn't realize that was it was so recent. Yeah. 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 That's like super fresh. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. It was crazy experience. So I can see both, you know, I can see where there's a need for a pacer in a situation like that. Right. With such and, big di- or at least just someone to like, I guess you had people that were you were right. it checking out. in with and because you your people were like five miles up right yeah yeah they were um yeah about five miles up and there was a paved road down to that trail so 
and I was only a mile down from where the pavement um, turned into trail. So I just had to make it a mile back up. See, because my, yeah, my thought is always like, especially these races where you're having like sleep deprivation. I mean, maybe for you, because you do them so quickly, like the hundred, you don't have as much sleep deprivation issues um, as the two fifties, but like, I would just be so afraid I'd get lost. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think pacers for the 200s are pretty critical. Just, I don't know it for the Swiss peaks, um, 360 that I'm doing, um, oh or it's a 230 miler, but, uh, 360 K and you're not allowed to have pacers. You're not. Um, yeah. Uh, it's a very classic, like European. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. So, uh, I think I'm just going to have to take a little bit better care of myself than I do in the ones here where I can have pacers um, just because like I need to be alert and I need to like be able to figure out where I'm going. So I can't really let myself get to that point where I'm so sleep deprived that I'm just Mm -hmm. kind of like relying on my pacer to navigate um, and reminding me to eat and stuff like I need to be a little bit more. Have a a timer ding every yeah hour that you need to eat or whatever but what what does that look like in terms of sleep because I know a lot of times you all do like one minute naps or like five minute naps and things crazy things like that um would you like when you say take better care of yourself will that turn into a 30 minute nap and you set your alarm what does that look like yeah yeah I think it'll be like multiple 30 minute naps throughout okay um because it's just a really slow course to like some crazy amount of elevation gain like 70 or 80,000 feet. Um, so it'll just take a lot longer in general. Um, so yeah, I'm planning to sleep a lot more and, you know, just be a lot of hiking. So yeah, we're in Cocodona. It's like pretty runnable and pacers. So I didn't sleep until the third day Mm. or the third morning. Um, Cocodona. Yeah. So I made it through two nights without sleep in two days. Yeah. Wow. Um, And then I slept 20 minutes and Felt fine. That pretty much got me to the end. Like I took a couple, um, like five or ten minute naps um, mm. this last night. Uh, but yeah, um, you can get by with pretty little. How does one process like? I'm at mile twenty of two hundred and fifty. Because <laughs> that's um, like so early. Yeah, uh, yeah. You definitely don't think about it that way because. <laughs> Yeah. That was just really overwhelming. Um, but it's more of like, yeah, I don't really think about what mileage I'm at. I'm just um, really focusing on the aid stations. Okay. And breaking it up uh, into each section. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I just remember about 240. I was super overwhelmed that first night. I was like, I'm 70 miles in. I'm like so sleepy. And I don't know. I'm not even halfway. Like that is just crazy to think about. And so – I learned for Cocodona, like, not to think of it that way because mm. it's just going to be super overwhelming. Um, so you just really have to break it up into the smaller goals. And it's crazy. Eventually, you you get there. You get there. <laughs> yeah. Tell everybody about your mentor, Olga. Yeah. Um, it's a really – I don't know. I feel like it's a pretty unique relationship. Like, I don't see many, like, younger ultra runners, like, with the older mentor and um, – yeah, it's just it's been I don't know what I would do without her. <laughs> um, how you how did this connection even start? Yeah, so super random. Um I worked at this uh restaurant in Leadville and this guy came in one night and his name is John Sharp and he's just this charismatic character. <laughs> he's from Texas and just like has a really thick accent and just like full of energy. Love it. And it's just hilarious. Um 
but he's a big ultra runner, like loves all the 200s um, with a ton of climbing and stuff. And he had just attempted Nolan's 14, um, which is a really iconic FKT route in the Sawatch Mountains. Um, it's really cool. There's 14 14ers all lined up in a row. Wow. And yeah, it's like a big challenge to, you know, connect all of them. Um, it's about 90 miles. Um some crazy amount of vert and it's all bushwhacking in between so it's a really intense route wow (laughs) yeah he came into the restaurant and I'd never seen anyone eat so much food (laughs) I was like wow that's impressive (laughs) um and yeah I just made a comment like wow that's impressive a lot of food um he's like oh yeah well I just did some of the 14ers and I'm pretty hungry and I was like oh what 14ers did you do and he's like oh, you know, all the ones from slide <laughs> up to here. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my gosh, did you just do Nolan's 14? And he was like, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> all of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, and I was just getting into ultra running at the time, like not even a year into it, I think. And um, that kind of sparked the conversation for about ultra running and um, – yeah, he was like, yeah, hey, you should come do Sherman with me and some friends tomorrow, which is a 14er, right, in Leadville. And I was like, uh, I, don't, I don't know this guy. Like, right. Like, is this crazy? Is this crazy? <laughs> yeah. But he seemed like, yeah, a super nice guy. So I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, so the two friends um, he was meeting was um, Olga and her husband, Larry. Nice. And um, yeah, we did the mountain and then we all got coffee after – and John was like, yeah, you know what you need is a mentor. <laughs> he was like, Olga could be your mentor. Oh, my and gosh. And Olga was like, what? No, like, I don't <laughs> I don't want to be a mentor. Like, I don't know this girl. <laughs> um, <laughs> but she, he kind of put us on the spot. And so she gave me her number, like, just to be nice. And um, she was like, oh, gosh, I hope that girl doesn't text me. <laughs> <laughs> Did she tell you that? She told me that later. Um, <laughs> um <laughs> But I texted her, like, the next day. I just thought she was really cool. Like, um, she's just done – she's been in the sport for a really long time. Like, she was top 10 at Western States back in her day and um, has all these really cool FKTs. Like, she had the FKT on the Colorado Trail. Um, and then she was going for the F- unsupported FKT on the Collegiate Loop. And then I was planning to go for supported mm. that year. And so I was kind of messaging back and forth with her about that. Like, she gave me some advice. And then – after that, um, she offered to crew me at the Leadville 100. And, um, yeah, after that, it just – it really took off. Like, um, now she's, like, a mom to me. And, mm. um, yeah, I wouldn't say she's my coach. It's definitely more of a mentorship because she doesn't write me a plan or anything. Yeah. But it's, like, gives me really good advice and, um, yeah, helps crew at all my races. And, yeah, I don't I don't know what I'd do without her. Um, I love that story that like this random man was just eating at your restaurant and yeah. then he said yes. I think that like some of the most beautiful things in our life happens when we say yes, even when we feel like, should I say yes right now? Or like, yeah. you know, like what <laughs> unexpected things would you have ever met Olga? Does she live in Leadville? No, she lives in Colorado Springs. So you might not um, have ever met her. Yeah, I I really don't think I would. Um, wow. So It was just really cool. Hey friends, a quick break here to thank Koala Clip for supporting this episode of the podcast. If you are not already running with a Koala Clip, what are you doing? It is the easiest way to take your phone with you on the go. I have three 
and I often give them as gifts for Christmas or birthday presents. They're super simple, easy, inexpensive gifts to give. And they just clip to the back of your Razorback sports bra. I oftentimes put my ID and a couple dollars in there as well as, as my car key if I'm driving somewhere to go run. Super easy to access. I've gotten really used to it and they are uh, sweat free, water resistant. So if you are sweating like a maniac or you are getting wet from the elements outside, you don't have to worry about your phone staying dry because it will. Uh, trust me, I've used the Qual Clip for many years in many different uh, circumstances with the weather. They also have really cute apparel now as well. I love this sweatshirt that just says runner on it. It is a super soft material. Um, they have really simple styles as well. Last year I got my sister the Grit, Grace, and Gratitude sweatshirt. Only $31. Go to koalaclip.com. Use the code ANOTHER for 10% off your order at Koala Clip. That's koalaclip.com for 10% off your order at Koala Clip. All right, friends, back to the show. Wait, let's talk about tough love a little bit because there's a text message she sent you. Was it Moab or was it Cocodona where she was like, you can do this. Like you need to just like, you still have so much time left. Like get a hold of yourself pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was at Moab 240. Okay. And then, yeah, she had just crewed me at, at Leadville. Um, then I did that race, um, which she wasn't able to come out for. And we weren't super close at that point, but Wow, she, she was also, telling you like it was though early yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I remember I got to the half. I just had a really rough first night and just was sleeping a lot and just kind of mental spiral. Um, and I got to the halfway aid station at mile one twenty, and I was still in the lead, but I didn't know by how much. And I got there, and my mom said, "You know, the next girl is only two miles behind you." And I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like. That's like nothing. No. Um, and so I was like, wow, I didn't realize it was that close. Um, and she was like, now we're going to get you out of this aid station quickly. And Olga sent you this text message I want you to read. Um, oh. and <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, and I read it and it was – she just said all like the, the perfect things that I needed to hear. Like, so what? You had a bad night. Like, there's still a lot of time left. Like, um, yeah, I can't remember exactly what she said, but it was just – um, encouraging, but also like, um, yeah, some tough love there. So, um, yeah, I left that aid station and it was going into the second night and I felt amazing all of a sudden and made up all this time. And I think in like a 40 mile section, I put 20 miles on the female behind me. So wow. it, it was just crazy. Like what, I don't know, like you just get these highs and lows mm -hmm. throughout those long races and Sometimes you hit a really long stretch of <laughs> feeling good. So, um, yeah, you just have to kind of ride the highs in <laughs> those long ones. What do you think is like so much of this is is mental, but obviously physical too. You have to train a lot for these. But like, like are you just wired differently? Like you just want things more? I just – I don't – I can't picture myself in a situation to have the mental tenacity – that you have to do these things where does where does that come from um I really don't know um I think I just you know that's just what kind of what inspires me is just like these really long challenges and 
I don't know. I, I just like the feeling of like overcoming these really mm. low moments and it just kind of leaves me like craving more, I guess. Um, but yeah, I just think you learn so much about yourself when you put yourself in those situations. And I haven't really felt that with anything else. Like just getting to that point, like pushing yourself where you just feel like you have nothing left and like can't keep going, but you can, like you always can. <clears throat> There's always a way. So I don't know. I just think that's what's really inspiring to me about these really long distances. Like there's so much you have to overcome to get to the end and it's just, it's really life-changing. So yeah, that's kind of what fuels me, I guess. <laughs> Where do you think you would be if you weren't doing this as a sponsored athlete? Yeah, it's, it's so wild because, you know, I never expected to be sponsored um, and this all just kind of fell into place like, and now I can't really imagine my life without it, but um yeah, it's wild to think back like <clears throat> I was, you know, wanting to be like an outdoor guide. So I think I would be mm. probably getting into like guiding mountains like I did all the 14ers in Colorado before I got really into ultra running and um, climbed some peaks in Ecuador, um, some like 20,000 foot peaks. So I just started to get really into that. And I don't know, I just I love being outside and I love exploring and pushing myself. Um, and <clears throat> it's really cool to have this opportunity to you know, just see what's possible um, and just see what my potential really is. Because I think if I had another job, I probably couldn't put as much energy into this. And um, yeah, it's just a cool time in my life to be able to do that. And um, I'm really grateful for that. And I do admire the people who can do it all. Like, I don't know if people have like full-time jobs and families and like are still running these ultras, like and doing it really, you know, at the top level. It's really cool. Um, but yeah, I um, I think I would still be doing these ultra challenges and stuff and um, yeah, working as an outdoor guide or something. But Okay, so you're 24? I am 25. 25. Yeah. Lots of, lots of running in your lifetime, like to, <laughs> to go. Yeah. Um, what do you, do you have visions of like immediate goals and then visions of long-term goals? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, for right now, like, you know, I, I do have so much time, like hopefully another 10 years or more um, running like at this level, um, if everything goes well. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of like, I'm excited to get more into like the big competitive races, but I am young and I just kind of want to gain more experience before mm. I jump into like a Western States or UTMB. Okay. Like I, I want to feel really ready and prepared going into those. Um, so yeah. And just, and still kind of doing what inspires me. Um, mm. Cause yeah, that's kind of what led to burnout and cross country track. And I don't want that to happen with this sport. Like I want this to be a lifelong thing and still be involved even like long past when my you know, professional careers over. Um, like I still want to be running ultras and, um, yeah, still being involved in the community. Uh, and I, I don't know, I just think it's really sad when like we have these ultra legends who just kind of like disappear after their careers yeah. over. Like I, I don't want that to happen to me. I, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm just excited, um, to do, yeah, more 200s and eventually, um, hopefully be competitive on those bigger stages, the Western States and UTMB. 
Yeah, that'll be an interesting thing to watch you balance that whole like still staying with what you're passionate about and putting yourself on the big stage because you know, like it's, you're going into it knowing if I mm-hmm. go all in on these big stage races and like, um, you know, that becomes the main priority, right. I'm probably going to get burnt out, but it's got to be tempting because there's like prestige in them and notoriety and all the things with sponsorships. Right. So yeah, walking through that'll be interesting. Yeah, it will. Um, yeah, I'm excited. I think, you know, this is the time to do those races and I think I'll be in a good place when I get to that point. Um, but I also like, I think I'm just kind of learning the balance of doing races I want to do and races my sponsors want me to do because I think I kind of got myself into a pickle last year, just racing <laughs> too so much. so many big races. <laughs> yeah. Um, just because I really wanted to do Cocodona and High Lonesome 100. And then I had to do some training races for Cocodona. So I did a couple hundred milers and a 12-hour race going into Cocodona. So, and then I had High Lonesome. So I did all those races, which is a big season in itself. And then I had Run Rabbit and Javelina, which are both sponsorship requirements yeah and so I think I probably should have yeah (laughs) I'm I'm glad I did all of them and I pulled it off somehow but um (laughs) need to balance that a little bit better (laughs) yeah I was gonna say how do you do that when you're like okay these are the races like my heart wants to do Mm -hmm. I am sponsored I do need to fulfill these obligations can you just throw in these extra 200 mile races that's a lot yeah it is is it is it partly like just building the relationship more with the sponsor yeah, yeah, and I I was excited about Run Rabbit. Um, Ultra Spire asked me to do it, and it worked out really well. Like I'm, I'm so glad I did it. Um, Havelina, I kind of wish I didn't have to do that one. It was just too much. Like that was yeah. really the tipping point. I, um, it was also just hard because it was so different from all the other races I'd done the whole year. So I did these, you know, this really long 250, and then I did these two high mountain races and then I've got this hot flat fast 100 mile is just so different um and I really didn't have time to train for it it was like recover from run rabbit and then I was still just tired from my whole entire season um and yeah do this race it's kind of out of my wheelhouse I know it's out of your wheelhouse which is one of the reasons why you ran such a big PR because it's like a faster right course, exactly. but like didn't you run like a massive 100 mile PR yeah yeah it was like over two hours or something. Um, so that was good. And <clears throat> I'm really happy with my time. Like I ran exactly what Olga predicted. And historically that time would have gotten me into the top three, but I was like ninth because it was just this crazy just such a, year. Was it a stacked field? Yeah, it was so, it was crazy stacked. Like it was really cool. Um, so, I mean, it was a fun way to end the season, just something like totally different and really competitive, but I don't know. I wish I could have been a little bit more prepared for that. Like, Mm. I just like to go into races knowing, like, I've done everything I can to be ready for this. And I just didn't feel that way going into that one. Um, Had a lot of miles on your body. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, How many miles a week do you run just, like, to maintain? Uh, I would say 100 is kind of my magic number. Um, I like to stick around the 100 mile range. Um, and it depends on if I'm adding some more intensity. I'll usually go down in mileage a little bit. But I feel pretty comfy at 100. Like I can't really go much more over that. Um, and then 
yeah, it just feels like the the perfect zone where I'm like pushing myself to get there, but it's also like not doesn't feel like too much. Um, and yeah, living at ten thousand feet, um, <laughs> it's <laughs> running hundred miles a week. I feel like is the equivalent of running like one twenty or, or yeah. More and at you're sea running level. most of these miles like in mountains. In the summer, yeah. Yeah. Um, in the winter, it's more like dirt roads and uh-huh. um, or snowy roads. <laughs> um, but there are some trails in Buena Vista, just thirty miles or thirty minutes down the road, that stay dry year round. So I'll go down there and do most of my long runs um, in Buena Vista. Uh, so that's kind of what gets me through the winters here. <laughs> I don't yeah. know if I'd make it otherwise. Um, and then we have some trails that are groomed here in the winter. So. I'll run on those, but yeah, um, I definitely live for the summers. <laughs> um, so you, you mentioned like wanting to jump into Western States and UTMB and these like bigger, more well-known races, but Leadville, I mean, Leadville's super famous. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. Um, I feel like it doesn't have quite the same competitive field as yeah. the Western States. Like uh-huh. there's usually a few good, really amazing runners who show up, but the field just isn't as deep, I would say. Why is that? I'm really not sure. Um, I don't know. I I feel like it's a it's a big race in terms of how many people are there. Uh huh. Um, but it's more not... of a common person race. Not really yeah. common because if you're doing it, you're like yeah, way, exactly. I don't like way say above that. average. <laughs> right. I know. I don't want to put it that way, but but not yeah, like prof- not as many professionals. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Huh. But it was a big deal for me just, like, living here, and um, it is an iconic race, so it, it really meant a lot to me um, to win that one, um, but... Were you yeah. the youngest or one of the youngest people to ever win that race? Yeah, I was the youngest female. Okay. Um, and I think, I think Anton is the youngest male. I think I think he also won it at 23, so... Okay. I think it's the same, yeah, for... I tied with Anton. <laughs> Um, what does the running community in Leadville look like? Yeah, um, I feel like we have a really great community of runners. Um, and we have some group runs. Um, every Wednesday there's a group run. Um, and we just kind of run the same road in Leadville. And um, yeah, it's it's really fun. Everyone's super supportive of each other. But I feel like for the most part, we kind of keep to ourselves. <laughs> um, I have a couple of really close friends that I'll run with on the regular, but um, I don't know. I do like to run by myself for the most part. Do so, you? Yeah. <laughs> and do you listen to anything on runs? Um, in the winter, I'll listen to music. Okay. Uh, but when, yeah, whenever I'm like running on roads, sometimes I like it. Um, but yeah, whenever I'm on trails, I don't listen to music. I feel like my mind's kind of occupied enough to just focus on the trail and not have to think about anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, I always ask this question. It's like so lame to run ultra runners probably, but like, do you ever get scared of the wild animals out there? <laughs> um, I don't. Um, I've never seen, I mean, I think the biggest thing I'm like scared of is our mountain lions. Um, yeah. but I've never seen one. So I mean, they but you know, they're me. there. Yeah. <laughs> I just think the chances of that happening are so, low that I don't know I just don't really worry about and then we we don't have like bears that are aggressive or anything so okay um yeah it's really not something I'm that concerned about you don't have bears that are aggressive yeah (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> like every bear I've seen has just run away. So, um, oh my god. Yeah, I guess we have moose too, but which is kind of scary. But I've never had one. It's those have always run away too. So. <laughs> Um, and then the other lame ultra runner question I just feel like required to ask, especially when you're doing like 200 plus race mile races, do you have hallucinations? I have. Yeah. Um, it's kind of funny. I've had the same hallucination in both Moab and Cocodona um, and like pretty much the same point of the race, which is <laughs> so weird. It's a really weird hallucination, but I tell, <laughs> tell. <laughs> I um so yeah I keep seeing like uh homeless camps okay it's just weird like shopping carts and like people yeah. running around and I'm like oh my gosh we're running through this I um I wonder what that I is like subconsciously that, I know it's so strange um and it was so funny I remember in um this is hilarious in Coca Donut um my headlamp was kind of starting to die and my pacer, she's like one of my best friends. Um, she lives here in Leadville. We run together a lot and uh, she was pacing me and I was like, Glenn, I think I need to change the battery in my headlamp. And it was just like light enough where you could get by without it. But I was like very insistent that I change the battery. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, uh, okay, Annie. And um, <laughs> like, are you sure you can't just go without it for a little bit longer? And it's like, no, I really want to change it. And so she said it was just the most painful thing to watch, like me trying to take the batteries. That was probably like in slow motion. But to me, it felt like normal pace. <laughs> so I'm like dropping them as I'm trying to put them in and getting them all confused. And like um, finally, it probably took like 10 minutes to get these the batteries out and the new ones in. And um, she was watching me do this because she kept asking to help. And I was like, oh, okay. no, I got it, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> And I finally get it on my head and I um, press the button to turn it on and it just like explodes and like all the batteries fall out. <laughs> and she's like, oh my gosh, Annie, just take mine. <laughs> um, and so I took the headlamp and it was just, hers was dying too, so it wasn't much better. And we went through this tunnel under this bridge and there were all these um, tumbleweeds that had gathered under this bridge. And Gwen had stopped to pee and I didn't realize she um had stopped and so I like start to go under this bridge and I saw like just people laying there and like the homeless camp <laughs> and so the this was okay okay this was the hallucination yeah this is hallucination yeah. and all of a sudden Gwen was gone and I was like Gwen Gwen <laughs> and she goes she's like what Andy and I was like oh I thought you were like gone or got kidnapped or something <laughs> oh and she's like no I just stopped to pee and then I was like can you hold my hand <laughs> <laughs> she had to hold my hand going under this bridge oh she's like annie's just tumbleweeds so in the moment did you you really thought that yeah yeah and then when did um, you realize like i was hallucinating oh just when you know she um and i got closer and i could see that they were just tumbleweeds but okay like, the initial like going to the bridge it just looked like but see, i mean i can so see how that would happen because it's like you're in a dream state almost like like how dreams happen you're so tired and exhausted and overwhelmed and it's like you start like seeing things yeah yeah it's it's weird but I'm grateful like those are the only times I've seen anything like I try to stay more with it (laughs) what are Um, what what you would have done if Gwen wouldn't have been there 
I know. <laughs> it could have been really scary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. So next yeah. up you have, well, you, you're, you have um, Hard Rock 100. Now, that's a pretty like, talk about like the bigger named races. Like that's one even us, you know, everyday runners hear about quite a bit. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's like a dream come true for me. Like, um, that's one of the first hundred milers I heard about because my roommate in college, um, her mom, she's from Lake city, which is one of the towns you go through, uh, in hard rock. Um, and her mom volunteers at one of the aid stations every year and has tried to like get into the Mm. race. Um, and yeah, so I was like, wow, that sounds so cool. And the San Juan mountains are just amazing. Um, and yeah, so and then of course when I started to get more into ultra running, you know, Hard Rock is just one of those iconic races. So, um, yeah, it's just been a dream for a while, and I spent all of last year kind of, um, you know, I ran two qualifying races and then volunteered um, and did the trail work. Um, and then two years ago, I actually paced John, who introduced me to Olga at oh, the, for the last twenty-seven fun. miles. Yeah, oh, cool. <laughs> it was really fun. Um, so I've seen, and it was in the direction that we'll be going this year. So I got to see oh, the last cool. 27 miles of it. And um, yeah, I, you know, did all the things to qualify to enter the lottery, but I didn't think I was going to get picked because, um, mm. yeah, um, they're pretty Yeah, <laughs> it's like, I, I don't think most people understand how hard it is to get into that race. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And you know, they make it easier for people who have done the race before. So it's uh-huh. just really hard for like new people to get in. Um, but they did make some changes to the lottery this year. So I don't I don't know if I got in through the lottery because the race director also doesn't say like who his um, elite picks were. So I'm sort okay, of guessing so you might- don't know if you're an elite pick or you got in through the lottery. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody knows. No one knows. <laughs> so. Yeah, so I, I guess I didn't understand the level of secretiveness there is with it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's super weird. <laughs> um, but huh. yeah, it's interesting. How many are, do we know how many elite picks there are? Yeah, so there's, I think there's three elite men and three women. Oh, that's it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that there's he- not that many. And then everything else is lottery. Yeah, and it's super hard to get in through the lottery. Like the odds and then just... a lot of the lottery people, though, end up being elite too. Yeah, yeah, I think, um, I think so. Okay, I'm not totally sure how it works, but I just know it's pretty selective. <laughs> so if you win or you're like top three, do you ever find out if you were an elite pick? No, no, like no one knows. Um, okay, and I wow. mean you can kind of. Uh, assume or I don't know like Courtney was probably an elite pick and yeah especially after like she DNF'd the first year like uh-huh. if you DNF your odds are even less <laughs> oh um, to get in the lottery yeah so huh is that there but do yeah do people have lots of strong opinions about this yeah there's a lot of kind of controversy okay. about it but I don't know I just it's their race and I'm not going right. to. Yeah. It is what it is. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so you don't know. If you're uh, yeah. I don't pick. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. I'll never know. Okay. I'll never know. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. But I'm just grateful to be in. So. <laughs> yeah. That's exciting. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, what do people who aren't ultra ultra runners not know about the sport and community that we should know? Oh, just that, you know, I think it comes across as kind of like this intense sport and we do these like really intense things, but it's really not that way at all. Like it's a super welcoming community and, um, yeah, it's just, it's just a great atmosphere out there. Like just, especially coming from cross country track, I'm just used to this really intense race atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And my first ultra was like the complete opposite. Like everyone was chatting and like, Uh super friendly yeah like during the race I was like wow this is so fun like it just feels like I'm out on an adventure run with a bunch of friends so don't be intimidated to yeah try an ultra like the community is just so wonderful and um and don't be intimidated by the 200s I think (laughs) (laughs) more people are like oh my gosh I can't imagine doing that but it's actually I don't know I feel like it's a little bit more chill than even a hundred miler just Uh because you have so much time like, yeah. the cutoffs allow you to, like, pretty much walk the whole thing. Yeah. Um. So as long as you're moving through the aids, like, you can really get away with walking the whole entire thing. So it's, it's more of like, of, like, a fast-packing adventure. So, um. yeah, I, I just want more people to, like, realize that because I think that distance would grow a lot more. Um. People weren't quite as intimidated by it. <laughs> so – Almost every single ultra runner I've interviewed is super welcoming and I feel like super embraced and loved. But I do think there's a perception of like some elitist vibes in the ultra running community. Do you do you feel like there's that perception and how do we squash that? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, the elitist vibes, it really sticks out because most people are not that way. Yeah. <laughs> so when pe- someone's super competitive, it's just... Yeah, I don't know. I'm always kind of taken back by it. I'm like, what? This is like ultras. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. Like even Western States, it's like, you know, one of the biggest races in the sport. And like compared to other sports, it's like really not that big a deal. Yeah. People, <laughs> you're like talking to your competitors. And, right. Yeah. yeah. And it's just so small compared to yeah. other sports. Um, I think, you know, it is starting to grow and like gain more um, media and like people are starting to learn about it more but um i just i don't see it getting to that point of like you know even professional like road running or anything yeah. like that like it's just i don't know i feel like it's always going to be a little bit more low key do you like <laughs> yeah. that though or like is that exciting to you that media is picking it up more yeah it is exciting for you know especially professional runners like it, it definitely helps our Elevates it. Yeah. yeah um but I don't know. I also just love the old school yeah. low-key races. Uh-huh. And I think that's kind of why I gravitate more to the 200s, honestly. Like, I just like how they're – like, the vibe is a little bit more chill and low-key. And, yeah, <laughs> it's fun for me. Um. Okay. Do you have any FKTs that you, like, really want to hit sometime? Yeah. Yeah, that's another long-term goal. Um, I would love – I've just been fascinated with the Colorado Trail for such a long time, and I was going to backpack it um, the year that I did all the 14ers, um, but there was just so much snow, I had to keep pushing mm-hmm. my start date back, and so I was like, well, I'll just do 14ers while I wait for it to melt, and then by the time it melted, it was like too late to start that whole trip, so um, yeah, I didn't end up doing it, and then I got super into ultra running, so I, I still mm-hmm. haven't taken the time to like do 
um, I really want to do it as like a backpacking trip first and just experience the whole trail and really enjoy it and then maybe go for like an FKT where I'm mm-hmm. supported and trying to run it, do it like an ultra. Yeah. Um, I just think it's cool. Like, I don't know. It's really interesting with the 200s and like trails like that. It kind of brings um, both through hikers and ultra runners because um, – you know, some like we have like Mike McKnight who approaches it more of like an ultra running style, and then um, Joe or Bean who won Cocodona, he's comes from like more of a through hiking background. Okay, and um, it's just interesting to see um, how those longer races attract like you can approach it from both angles, uh-huh. which is cool. <laughs> yeah, that is really cool. Um, all right, well, what's something professionally or personally you'd like to do that you haven't done yet? We kind of Every time I ask that question, I'm like, you just answered it. Did I did I just ask that question already? <laughs> oh, no. I think, yeah, professionally and personally, I feel like my answer for this kind of ties in both. <laughs> but I'm really excited. I haven't done any international races yet. So this Swiss Peaks race uh-huh. um, will be my first international race experience. And I don't know. I, I just really want to travel and, and see the world. And I'm just excited. I think ultra running will be a really cool way to um, see more places and explore more trails. Um, so I'm just really grateful for, you know, this opportunity to be sponsored. Like that's also opened mm. up doors for me to do races that I probably wouldn't get to do otherwise. Um, like who knows if I would have gotten into hard rock <laughs> if I, you know, wasn't sponsored. So, um, yeah, just excited to do more races that I wouldn't have gotten a chance to do and, and just see more of the world through ultra running. So cool. That's so awesome. Uh, who, what's the best, do you have time to read with all, like being in the woods all day, every day (laughs) on trails? (laughs) Um, I wish I was a reader. Like, yeah, I, that's just never been like my strongest. (laughs) Um, yeah, I I don't know. I like, um, podcasts and, Mm. you know, sometimes I'll watch movies, um, but, (laughs) or shows, but yeah. What are you, what are you watching? Um, it's like really embarrassing. No, it's not. <laughs> um, so when I'm recovering from races, I always end up watching shows like this. And I think it's just because you don't have to use brain cells and you can just kind of roll your eyes. But um, I've gotten really into The Bachelor and I've never watched The Bachelor nice. before. But <laughs> I hate myself for watching it, but it's just – No. You can just laugh and like it's so ridiculous. So you're just like watching old seasons because there's not seasons on right now, is there? Yeah, exactly. I'm just watching old seasons. <laughs> I used to be a huge Bachelor fan. I don't watch it oh, really? anymore, but I watched. I used to watch it religiously. Okay. So I get it. Okay, that's good. Yeah, it's just so fun. I love it. And it, it's funny, too, because you when – I, when I say this elitist vibes from the ultra running community, like you don't picture – I picture someone doing these like big adventures like you, like rolling their eyes at The Bachelor. So when I hear that – you watch The Bachelor, I'm like, oh, she's like very well-rounded. Yeah. <laughs> I do roll my eyes, but it's like, yeah, it's very entertaining. Like, I don't know. It's just, and you don't have to think like, I just like that. I don't know. It's just very, it's good for recovery. A hundred percent. relaxing. hundred percent. Um. Okay, cool. So then when, what kind of music do you like to listen to? Oh, I listen to all different kinds. Um, I would say like kind of indie pop sort of thing. Um, and 
don't know. I listen to a lot of pop when I run. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like the only time I'll listen to kind of like the the hits um, or like today's hits or whatever. You um, go to a concert tomorrow. Uh, Who do you want to see? Oh, um, oh gosh, I really love Glass Animals. Okay, um, some of my favorites, and I love Foster the People. Um, Goth Babe is another one of my favorites. Um, I feel like I have another one that I'm like totally missing, but yeah, sort of that type of music. Yeah. Awesome. Who is someone fun, motivating, or inspiring you would like to have coffee, tea, or cocktail with? Oh my gosh. So, um, I, Shalene Flanagan was like my biggest inspiration growing up. Like Mm. I was kind of obsessed with her. (laughs) Like I just remember in middle school, like I would get the same clothes that she had and like (laughs) watched every single video there was on the internet about her. Like I just thought she was like the coolest and, um, yeah, I've never met her or anything and I listened to her podcast. (laughs) Um, but yeah, she's definitely the person, she kind of inspired me from the beginning and just has had such an amazing, like, consistent career. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah, I just admire her a lot. And just, like, everything she's doing now is, like, equally as inspiring. So I bet um, you'll meet her. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'll happen. <laughs> um, what's your last message to leave with the audience? Oh, I would just say um, you can do more than you think you can <laughs> or that you ever thought possible. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Thanks, Annie. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. All right, friends. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Annie, for coming on the podcast. You all can find Annie on social media. She is Annie.a.hughes on Instagram. You can find me. I'm LindsayHine626 on Instagram, at LindsayHine on Twitter, LindsayHine626 on Threads. And you can learn more about this podcast at sandywayproductions.com and all the shows in our network. Um, The show notes with our sponsor discount codes and everything is at sandyboyproductions.com. Just click on the I'll Have Another tab. You can also sign up for our newsletter over there and those will be delivered to you every single week. Thanks so much for being here. Have a great rest of your day, your weekend, and we will see you next week on I'll Have Another.